Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find most of your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journeys, and our mentors might provide the roadmap for that journey. Who are those mentors? Well, on the first uh, Thursday of the week, you normally will hear at Ellen Fox. On the second week, today, uh, we have the great coach Chuck Reese with us. On the third week, normally it's Dr. John Murray. And on the fourth week, we either have Linda LeClaire or Coach Scott Williams on. And on those fifth weeks when uh, you do have a Thursday, well, who knows? Uh, we've had Ashley Hobson on. We've had uh, Scott Inge, uh the heads of the USPTA and the PTR. You never know who you're going to run into uh, on the broadcast. We've been blessed over the last three years. Uh, to be able to have outstanding people come, and uh, we, uh, the Almighty willing, hopefully that will remain in the future. Of course, the nice thing about Blog Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live, you can tune in when you can, whenever you want. So tell your friends that check on whatever their convenient, and they can listen to the broadcast. Truthfully, today's uh, first day in a while, Chuck Creasy in American Tennis is on Wednesdays. Uh, I truthfully never uh, listen to him live very seldom, but I never miss his shows either, although I haven't heard it yet today, so maybe he'll fill us in and uh, tell us what he talked about yesterday. And because I do believe in Dr. King when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday, time willing, I will add my personal views to North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and our colleges. Together, we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Uh, interesting uh, week we've had uh, this week with the state championships just ended in Florida. Some exciting times, but some disappointment too, because you know, truthfully you see the same teams in there. And I ask the question every week, and I'll ask it again: Is high school tennis an after-school sport? Or is it an after-school activity? And I'm afraid in too many uh, of our state schools, and I suspect it's the same throughout the country, that high school tennis is an after-school activity rather than an after-school sport. And uh, I understand that after-school activities are important, but competition should not be a dirty word. Competition is what these kids are going to go through the rest of their life. They're going to have to compete in college. They're going to have to compete when they get into the job market. And it's really we should start preparing them for it now. And I'm uh, I'm really a little disappointed in our organization, the FHSAA. I say we have part-time people addressing the sport Uh Dr. Darren argued with me and said, no, these people are full-time. Well, they're full-time working numerous sports, and they don't uh, 
really give you all the information you need at a timely manner. On Sunday, I'll be heading up to Gainesville for my last uh, state meeting. Uh, it'll be the last year I'll be doing that. And uh, uh, as of Friday of last week, there was nothing on the uh, Internet about it. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I think there's a reason why high school tennis is an after-school activity too often and not an after-school sport. And, of course, where there is no vision, people will perish. I think that's uh, Proverb 29:18. If it's not, forgive me. Um, but uh, I, uh, I think we have to uh, really get involved in the conversation if we're going to keep tennis alive. Besides our weekly conversation, the Almighty Willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise, D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows? You may see your views in Florida tennis, or you might hear them here on Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings broadcast. It would not be the first time. I don't understand why everybody doesn't agree with me, but uh, I know that's life, and I, as long as you're willing to express your views, uh, intelligently, I'd be glad to share them with the public. Seriously, I do know that I have biased views and everybody's not going to agree with me. Uh, I've learned to accept that years ago, but uh, uh, it, it's, uh, you will be able to uh, not express them over the year because I'm slow with the computers and I uh, don't want to address that, but email me and we will get in discussion. Uh, last week I uh, had an article on Facebook talking about uh, uh, the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting and the amount of young people going in to listen to uh, uh, 87-year-old uh, well, Warren Buffett uh, there. Uh, there is some value to old coaches, uh, and I suggest that... Uh, the USTA and their under-30 coaching, and I understand what they're doing with marketing with the USPTA, but uh, I do wonder, uh, you know, at under-30, I coached when I was under-30. Uh, I can't tell you I was a better coach then than I am now, and I truthfully don't think uh, most people were. So remember, if you're not subscribing to Florida Tennis or someone has taken the last copy of your magazine from the pro shop, you can always find my articles in the last issue on www.fhstca.org. Or you might find Jim Mark's articles and mine in Florida Tennis on uh, Facebook. That's FL Tennis on Facebook. Uh, we are now... Uh, and all the social medias, so take two. I think I see uh, our uh, guest on today. Uh, we are blessed to have Coach Chuck Reese on. I think, uh, let me see if he's available. Coach, are you there? Yeah, John, how are you this morning? Or this afternoon? Oh, Sorry. Sorry, I just got up from a 
Look, I just got up from a power nap, so uh, to me, maybe it's morning here still. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I got to have those power naps it. now. Yeah. Uh, well, there's nothing wrong with power naps. Uh, Bobby's always yelling at me to take a nap, uh, but I guess I am a creature of habit. It's hard for me to do uh, <laughs> during the week, but uh, being she's right more times than uh, not, uh, I probably should take her advice. I, I always thought, and uh, as you know, you and I have a common that we both enjoy history, and I enjoy the founding fathers and what they've done, and uh, I respect Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. I love them all, but I've uh, I really uh, always thought that John Adams was the guy that I associated with, and Abigail Adams. I thought uh, she was just a special lady. And I know we know more about her because they wrote letters and everything, but. Uh, Dr. Arn, I heard him last week uh, uh Hillsdale College. He said that uh, uh, that was his favorite, too, and I said, good, but I didn't realize the reason why. He said not only did they communicate so much, but he listened to his wife more than anybody. So I told Bobby I'm going to start listening to her more. Well, I, I don't know about all that, but I'll, I, you know, after 39 power naps or uh, automatic <laughs> in the afternoon, or, or you got to have a, you got to have a heavy cup of cup of coffee about two or three in the afternoon. I know that, but, but uh, regardless, I, I had a good power nap this afternoon. But it's good, it's good to be here again, John. Thanks and thanks for your program every week. Well, it's good to talk to you. Normally, I'd ask you something about yesterday's broadcast, and uh, as I told the audience, I I don't think I've missed one of your shows, but truthfully, uh, yesterday between doctors and today getting uh, stung in the eye, um, I lived by a bee. I didn't get a chance to hear your broadcast yesterday, but I will get to it later on. But uh, I did talk about, and I don't know if you want to talk about it, is we just got through with uh, our state championships here in high school, and, and it's always a special time. Uh, but it's to me it's a depressing time, too, because it seems like you see the same powerhouses, the same coaches, they're – bringing these teams to the championship every year. And that, and that's great. And um, I do miss taking my teams there too. But uh, uh, I, I think we're missing out on something. I think there's too many schools, at least, that, that tennis is an after-school activity rather than an after-school sport. Would you like to uh, comment on that, or should we go into something else? Well, I, I think, no. I, I, look, John, you're absolutely right. I, I've said so many times the two sleeping giants in, US, in the United States of America in tennis are high school tennis and small-town tennis. Those are the sleeping giants. Those are the places that we need to invigorate. And, um, and I'm, you know, and, and I don't want to go there with bashing the USTA, but my golly, their, their politically correct mentality of going everything, all of their emphasis been for, you know, their programs, inner city tennis, inner city tennis, inner city tennis, 
and then what what happens is they have really you know they're barking up the wrong tree here they're really going after the wrong uh, the wrong group because here tennis is extremely extremely expensive still if you want to get really good and i'm not mm-hmm. saying don't have go after inner city tennis and have your city facilities my golly i never i grew up at an inner city uh park and i never had a tennis lesson growing up i went over there every day in the summertime and i played with anybody that came by and you know it was the most fantastic experience but and it got very competitive because Everyone competed. We had it was just a social place where you would go, and places in um, Florida down there too. In you know what the Hollywood Park is it? Is it where? Where yeah. is no? Where is the place? Go ahead, Coach. Uh, there's a no place Hollywood there Park. And, you mean you're talking about the place? No, where no that was where the Sunshine Cup was at years ago. Right. Uh, but there was a park down there where Bobby Curtis was at. And all the kids used to go there and play. But so I'm not bashing inner city tennis and, and because the parks are how I got started. But I am saying that they're missing a huge, huge opportunity in small town tennis, small town tennis. And then we already have the infrastructure set up where high school tennis is at almost all of the all of the schools around the country have high school tennis. Matter of fact, I live in a, a small town outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, uh, my daughter's a runner and she's a swimmer, but she was asked to come out for the high school team this year because she can play tennis. She makes balls and they want her to go out and play. But the point is, is they need players to play. And it's not as attractive as the running is to her. It's somewhat social and it's nice, but it's not as attractive as the running. And, it, and it's not as attractive to my son as the baseball is. And it's not as attractive. And we have really missed the boat because I really believe it's as simple as a couple fundamental things, John. And, and the most important being the format that they play. Um, that they have for high school tennis again and you you elaborate on this all the time is they just say we want our kids to have fun we want them to participate well you know I want to talk about that a little bit because I want people to understand that you know trying to get good at something is really really fun and here, here, here is the misconception I believe the USTA has and so many people who are in the governing bodies of tennis, they believe that participation will breed excellence. However, that is not what happens. Participation without any guidelines and any bars set for excellence only breeds bad participation. It only breeds it only breeds a level of mediocrity and a low, low level of caring. Excellence breeds participation. Participation does not breed excellence. You must make the sport more competitive at the high school level. And I'll give you a good example. I went out to Texas recruiting this year, and we, we signed a boy from out in Texas, and uh, 
that's about all I can say is that we got a boy from out in Texas, and that high school system out in Texas is fantastic. And, John, it ought to be the system that everybody follows in these United States if they want to use the infrastructure that is already available for high school tennis and for team tennis. Texas has both boys and girls play a short team season in the fall. They come back from the summers and their summer tournaments and everything, and then they have a short team season in the fall when the weather is fantastic and the weather's better. And you have a short team season, and then they knock it off for the winter months. And then in the spring, they guess what? When the weather is sort of crummy, they have individual tournaments the rest of the year. Then the kids springboard into the summer, into their summer tournaments. And I can just say this, with after my 40, 40th year, I'll be entering my 41st year of college coaching, and a couple, two years as an assistant and for 38 years as a head coach, I can tell you that this is absolutely the most important fundamental that we could have in college tennis, too, if we want to save the game, is to change our seasons to where we do a short team season and then then really focus on individual tennis the rest of the year. In this statement, I'll make this statement, and then I can go into wherever you want with this. Tennis is an individual sport with team opportunities. It is not a team sport the way that we put it together where we just try to have, uh, you know, a social activity together. it's, It's disgraceful. What I have seen, uh, two years ago we were in Michigan, and it was the first day of tennis practice. And we were there practicing. I'm not going to say where, but we had a bunch of – we were up there recruiting and watching junior players. And do you believe, John, do you believe that it was the first day and they had about 25 kids out, and the coach brought out about four or five dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts and distributed them <laughs> to the kids. All right. And I go, Oh, are you kidding me? They bring Krispy Kreme donuts out to try to get the kids to come out for the tent. Well, the kids scarf down the donuts and they go out and bump a few balls around, laugh and go home. But because there's nothing invested, easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. And you know, and, and this is the biggest mistake. This is the biggest mistake. Hang on just a second, John, I guess. Hang on just a second. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully you uh, you understand what Coach is saying. And I, I happen to be familiar Sorry, with John, the Texas because things. I was invited out believe, there. Go ahead, can Coach. Can you believe that? Can you believe, <laughs> yeah. though? I mean, you know, uh, with parent, they bring watermelons out, and they bring Krispy Kreme donuts out, and it's like, I mean, like, what? You know, and, and this is the thing. Have you ever been a parent out there, folks? Have you ever? Are you a parent that your kid at a certain age, whether they're 7, 8, 9, 10, they just, everybody has a birthday party. So many, there are so many birthday parties, your kid doesn't want to go to them anymore. Well, that's the sort of way we have made tennis. We've we've made it a social activity, and 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 when you do this, 
you cheapen the sport, you dumb it down, and you never get to the place where they really, really understand. So there's two things I'm going to say here about high school tennis very quickly. Number one, we need to treat it like a sport. We don't need to treat it like an after-school activity or a fizzy party. It's disgusting. And there in Florida, hey, and I'm John, I'm going to say with all respect, but you high school coaches in Florida, shame on you for allowing this to have past 40 years. 40 years ago when I started recruiting Florida high school tennis, you only had to go to one or two tournaments the entire year. You better go to that Florida State High School tournament that used to happen over in Tampa. I think it was Haynes Park or something like that. You better show up at Ocala at this Florida State hard court. Do you know that I would go there? I got five or six great players out of the high school tournament. At the high school state tournament, and then what happened with all those academies, they started, you'd go down there and uh, all the high school teams only had international players. And uh, so, and then, and then little by little, the American kids got pushed out and American kids are now playing lacrosse or they're running or they're playing baseball. And what has happened is the same daggone thing that's happening in college that because tennis is really, tennis is a hard sport but it's been dumbed down and p- people try to sell it like, Oh, let's have fun. Let's have Krispy Kreme donuts. Let's have watermelon. Let's have a birthday party for everybody. Let's have 40 kids on the team. By the way, 35 of them don't even care about tennis. They're out there just for social activity. And then after about four or five weeks, you only have about seven or eight kids that are there that every pe- people drop out and it, it, it's just awful that we that we look at tennis in this direction so number one high school tennis already has infrastructure in florida you guys have coaches men women men coaches women coaches all of you listening you have a tradition and a heritage in high school tennis that you need to live up to do you know Gainesville High School? Uh, Gainesville High School, and I, I, I'm just saying this, but years and years ago, they had a high school team that really could rival probably any of the college teams that were out there except the top 30, everybody but the top 30. They had so many good players. Over in Tampa, you had so many good players coming out of high school tennis. Like I said, you better as a coach make that high school tournament in uh, that was in, in in Tampa. So we we really screwed the thing up by making it the team tennis is okay if you want to do a social deal with the team tennis. Like in, in Texas, they do a the, the thing goes on for about seven or eight weeks in the fall. Let the kids come back. Go September, October. Let them play. Have the thing done by by doggone Thanksgiving, have your state tournament, done, then you have your holidays with your family, and then start out in January, have the Florida State High School Clay Court Championship somewhere. You could do it over there in uh, Daytona with their big facility they've got over there. Then in February or March, have the Florida State High School Hard Court Tournament. Then have have a, then 
what would happen, then you then you have a third or a fourth tournament, the Florida State State High School Finals, and have satellite events springboard off of those. And my golly, you might have the best circuit of, you would have to play in that if you ever wanted to be a good player. You'd have to play in that. But it's, it's awful. I, I'll, I'll give you one more example of the greatest high school system I ever saw, John, and that's in California years ago. And I, I, I want to, and then I, I want to see what, what you want me to talk about. But um, developmental tennis or development tennis has always happened great in, in, in Florida until recently, until probably the past 15, 20 years. And I mean, it's still good, but, you know, you don't go there to recruit anymore. Um, in Texas, it's fantastic still. In California, listen to the format they used to have for developmental uh, tennis. They would, have, uh, they would have eight players participating on a team, and what you would have is two doubles teams, that's four players, and then four singles players. And during the – if we've – my team played your team, John, the two doubles teams would play two sets against one doubles team and two sets against the other. They would flip-flop, and each set counted. So there would be a potential of winning four sets or four points. They could win 4-0, 3-1, tie 2-2, lose 3-1, or lose 4-0, if you see what I mean. Height, the, the the singles players, the singles players, that one, two, three, and four players would play one set against the one, two, three, and four players. They would play a round robin against those kids on the other team. So add them up. You would have you would have four times four, sixteen plus four sets of doubles. So you'd have a twenty point match possible. And they would have a running scoreboard up there, John, where they'd have 20 sets. They'd have a running scoreboard. If your team was going to beat mine, you won, you'd want have to win a minimum of 11. If they tied, then they had a tiebreaker system with the kid. Now, for, for the development of the players, that's one of the best situations I've ever seen. And guess what? Every high school singles player in California – they used they would get four sets of competitive tennis every dual match that they would play. So it's our own fault by just thinking that participation is the key. Participation only breeds mediocrity if you don't have some standards and raise the bar high. So that's a mouthful here and I'm trying to pick I was trying to pick up my daughter at a swim practice actually. So that's why I had to shut it down here a second, John. But uh, I'm glad to talk about small town tennis and when you when you're ready to. But go ahead. What else? How would you like for me to go? No, well, I think it's uh, I think you addressed uh, important points with the uh, high school uh, tennis, and I think you addressed and and I claim some responsibility uh, because I was involved in Florida high school tennis for 20 years, and I failed more often than I've accomplished anything, but I was out in Texas. I was invited out there, and when we discussed uh, going there, and we tried to get that involved in Florida, the problem was uh, the USDA was more concerned about giving tennis balls and having a no-cut program, and I think we just covered all the reasons. John? Go ahead. 
John, that the no cut program. Let me let me be the first to tell you that you know do you know till this day my first twenty three years at Clemson, I never cut a player if they could make a five fifteen mile. So the bar is at high. At where I am now at the Citadel, I do not cut a player if you can make a five twenty five mile, and you have to bring something to the table every day. A no-cut program is fine as long as you set the bar and you make sure that the players exit the program if they don't live up to the stand, not the Krispy Kreme standard, but the standard of being a rigorous, tough sport. The no-cut program, I gave a talk years ago, and I, I can remember when they implemented that, and I I completely reinforced not cutting players if they have the heart, but you have to have standards. What happens otherwise is you have the Krispy Kreme effect. I guess you could you could call it Krispy Kreme tennis. Could, <laughs> oh, it was – God, we were at this tournament. It was ridiculous. My friend who was recruiting from a, for a different college, he looks at me and he says, are you kidding me? Could you imagine, wait a minute, wait a minute, coach, over there in that stadium, they're getting ready to play high school football. Okay, now, could you imagine that you let anybody come out? Could you imagine a coach bringing out Krispy Kreme donuts to the high school football practice in Florida? And that's the sad thing. There was a few of us that ran no-cut programs before the USTA came out with it. But there was conditions, like you said. Ironically, uh, I I think the first year they gave me a jacket for running a no-cut program. Within three years, uh, I was accused of not running a no-cut program because I had criteria set up, and they were saying that uh, it wasn't a no-cut. Well, it it wasn't. I wasn't cutting people. It didn't make you a lesser person. And I would tell people at the parent-player meetings, this isn't for everybody. If it's not for you, you know, then don't sign the the agreement with me. But we're coming into a contract together, and if you want that, you know, you're going to be on the team. These are the rules. So, I was accused of not having a no-cut program because, basically, because I had expectations of the players. I mean, that's crazy. It's laughable because they cut people going out for cheerleading. One of our girl, my daughter's girlfriend, was crying. She got cut going out for cheerleading. They have bass fishing sport now. They, you get cut if you're not good enough. It's not about, but here we're saying in tennis, just make standards. Just make standards. No, I can you believe we were a top ten program for thirteen years, and I didn't cut players. But do you know what happened? No. People would come out for two days and three days and say, "Whoa, this bus is moving a little bit too fast." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, I got to do all that. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. I think I'll go join a fraternity and play club tennis. And you don't, right. and that's what you would need. You just do club tennis. But but it's laughable. So we have the toughest sport, toughest sport of any sport in the world. And we present it like the biggest sissy sport. 
We have Rambo, and we dress Rambo in a bikini bathing suit is what we're doing. <laughs> we make it the most ridiculous. No, we have, we have the toughest sport, and we present it oh. like the biggest sissy sport. It, 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 it's unbelievable what we did. All the parents out there, all the coaches, I make, I've made my parents for years. I've had them watch the movie Searching for Bobby Fisher. If you want to mm-hmm. learn about tennis, Great. Searching for Bobby Fisher is about chess, and almost it almost parallels everything that goes on in tennis. Now, there's a point where the guy, the guy backs off, and he's just saying, oh, we want to have fun. But then the kid goes, no, I want to win too. And, and right. here's, here's the thing about that line. It, it, look, folks, watch Searching for Bobby Fisher if you want to learn about what tennis is about. Until about eight years old, and here's the, I've done a through my career, um, I did my masters and you know in, in physiology, exercise, kinesiology, and those things, and we all did that back when we as it was, we wanted to coach. But I remember absolutely learning, and this is absolute truth. Having six children myself, until eight or nine years old. Kids don't recognize nor feel pressure. It's going to be fun for them. You don't have to tell them, have fun, baby, have fun. It's okay if you lose. It's okay. They're going to have fun. They're running around, and they'll sit down, and they'll have a Krispy Kreme donut or a Popsicle at third base, or they'll be playing with – They'll be. you see the little kids in seven- or eight-year-old baseball, they'll sit down and be looking for a four-leaf clover and playing with butterflies in the outfield. And, you know, and that's just the way these kids are. But somewhere around eight or nine, eight or nine, it starts to matter to them a little bit more if they win. And they're, um, my son played baseball, and he was a 10-year-old, and he made the 10-year-old all-star little league team. And they were up. By boy, they were up like nine rounds going into nine runs going into last two innings, and the other team made a great came comeback, and it was crushing, crushing to lose. And some of the kids were crying, some of them were laughing, some of them didn't matter. My son got in the car and he just started crying. I stopped the car and I looked at him and said, "Son, look, if you dare, if you care, pain will be there when you lose." It will matter to you, and that's okay. But you need to answer one question right now, son, and you're going to have to answer it a lot if you want to get into competitive sports. Losing hurts, and it hurts a lot. But would you rather lose and hurt, or would you rather just not play? He goes, Papa, I have to play. I love baseball. I said, son, you're going to give your best and win. You'll give your best and lose. And guess what? When you lose, it's going to hurt. So you only have the option of giving your best and winning, giving your best and losing, or not playing. But giving your best and losing and hurting is going to be part of it. So guess what happens? The little kids, by the time they're 11 or 12, the ones that really sort of get used to the pressure of, you know what, I want to win, they get a little bit better at it, and they start to do, develop some coping skills. And they start learning, John, that, hey, you know what? It hurt, but I learned. You know, you either winning or learning. I learned from losing. I learned from losing there. Wow, I don't want to do that anymore. Hey, you know what? 
My pitching broke down. I'm going to go practice more. Do you know what? My serve broke down. I'm going to go serve some more. You know what? I don't like to lose, so I'm going to go down to the courts and hit on the backboard an extra 15 minutes after school every day. And that's what happens to the kids when the losing hurts. But there's some kids still, (laughs) mom will be yelling, honey, just have fun. Just have fun. One kid looked at him the other day. The dad's just cringing because the dad (laughs) is just pacing. You know, the dad's saying, would you just be quiet? It matters. matters. (laughs) And, and John, the parents don't get it. By the time the kids then are 13 or 14 years old, they grow into it, and they start coping with it, and they get better, and they're off and running, or they just decide, look, I don't want to play serious sports. I'll just play social activity sports. But we need to at least address it. We need to address it. We we need to address it. We, We don't. You know, I mean, how do kids – I mean, we, we have a, the most – the lamest the, – as I said 30 years ago, I used to go to the high school tournaments and recruit. Now, I, I would never go to – you know, I, I might go to the state tournament and watch, but I never go to a dual match. I never go yeah. to a high school dual match. You know, it, it's and we got to bring that back. There's no two ways about it because that's a that's a shame. And I I would want to get into a little because I do believe, and I've got your program in my ne- the next issue of Florida Tennis Magazine. I do talk a little bit about your proposal on small town tennis because I. Uh, I actually uh, ran a program uh, in the middle school with uh, after-school tennis in the Constitution, and then uh, we were told that I might be recruiting for the high school, and, uh, you know, we stopped the program, which I think we're going to start up again because I regret it. I I gave in, and I'm ashamed of myself. Uh, But, I mean, but I, I think it is important that we addressed, you know, small-town tennis. And uh, like I said, in the next issue of Florida Tennis, the second part of my uh, three-part article, uh, I talk about that a little in there. And uh, so if if you want to go into that, I think it's important, and I think we've got to get that going. And I do think there is... You know, that can be done, and it should be done. I don't think we're going to get a lot of assistance, uh, unfortunately, from the USDA, but uh, some things we're going to have to take on ourselves. Are you there, Coach? Well, John, uh, I'm I'm here. I had to get out. I'm at the swimming pool. They're doing – they have a social swim teams in the summer. And uh, to tell you the truth, it's – my daughter, I'll give you a good example. She's she was swam for about three, four years. She was good enough to make a high school team when she was a uh, seventh grader. And uh, anybody that's in swimming knows that the social coaches hate the social swim th- things in the in the summer. But it's so much participation and not enough excellence to where it's a good fitness thing that they do a little bit. But it's that that's about what it is. But um, I'm trying to run down my my own daughter that's over here. But listen, uh, let me talk about small town tennis here very quickly. Okay. Um, small town sports. Small town sports, first of all. Small town kids want to step up 
They want to stand out, and they want to get out. They want to usually get out of their small towns or stay in their small town. Now, there's I can't. Do you know the statistics? Seventy-three percent of all professional athletes, seventy-three percent of all professional athletes, came from towns less than fifty thousand people. Seventy-three hmm. percent. There is a great need to use sports as a vehicle to stand up, step out, and get out. Basically, it's it's the ticket for ticket to travel around the world. Tennis has been a ticket for me. If it hadn't been for tennis, I would have grown up within a mile radius of where I uh, I would have ended up a mile radius where I grew up. And uh, John, excuse me, just a second. No, excuse me. Excuse me. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think the thing we have to think about, and, you know, and this is, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, like I said, I I think we ran an outstanding program. I, I kid my wife Sorry, because uh, I always say um, she reminds me I can't afford a divorce, and that's why we started the after-school tennis and the Constitution. And I did get players that come from that, but I didn't recruit any players, and they, the other ones had a chance to go to Vero Beach. Well, but we get too much involved in rules sometimes that get too crazy. Go ahead, Coach. Well, we have, we have like, professional rule makers for social tennis is what we have in tennis, and it just makes it a very, very unpleasant situation. You need to have – uh, people trying to be professional players and have be amateur rule makers because then that way the kids would be trying to get good all the time but or reach a happy happy medium but it's it's sort of ridiculous USTA over over regulates everything to the place where they just make it a mess to try to play it's easier to book for me to book a team book a ticket to Hong Kong using five different airlines is than it is to sign up for some USTA tournaments online. It's just absolutely ridiculous how complicated that they have made it. it it's, it's really something. Now, here's, here's the point. Most people believe that you make these systems and everybody's going to just jump on board. They don't. They, they talk about pathways. We need freeways. To excellence, we need to make it more simple to play. We need to more make it more simple to sign up. We need to empower all coaches. We don't need to make coaches go through a whole whole mess of things just to play. So, John, Small Town Tennis USA. Let me let me just say what my idea here. Okay, Small Town Tennis USA. I went and presented it to one of our national organizations, and I presented it. Two or three times. Oh, they said, oh, that's interesting. One guy says, but we don't like the name Small Town Tennis USA. I said, well, why not? They said, well, it sounds sort of discriminatory, and it sounds like you're making fun of small towns. I go, come on, give me a break. People from small towns enjoy being in small towns. You're Small Town Tennis USA. You wear it like a red badge of courage, like a badge of courage. That's that's nonsense. So, here is what we, my idea was. I've been a college coach for 40 years. We have 
hundreds of kids that are like your six, seven, eight, nine players. They have no, no ambition to play professional tennis. They know they're not going to be able to. And guess what? They love tennis. They might want to learn how to teach tennis. So my idea was this, and I had a pilot program going at four different sites the first summer, and I had four states ready to go. The state had a, a, point, a point man put in Tennessee, one in South Carolina, one in Georgia, and, <clears throat> and excuse me, actually one up maybe in Pennsylvania. And, and, John, the Small Town Tennis USA, here's what you do. These kids that are playing college that want to stay involved in tennis, but they're not good enough to play college, uh, play professional tennis, in the summertime, all you would do is give them an internship. John Denise is a 20-year-old college player. He's playing number eight at, uh, you know, uh, golly, Georgia Tech or College of the Low Country or somewhere. And John Denise wants to stay involved in tennis. So we say, John, you're from Idaho. You're from Georgia here. Listen, we have a internship for you at Guthrie, Georgia, and there is a community center there. You'll get paid a couple hundred bucks a week by the community center. Go in there. We need you to become become the tennis guru and the Pied Piper of tennis there. You go in and get it going. You're going to make 200 bucks a week. It's your show, buddy. And you would be in charge. You'd be in charge. You'd go in there and there's a couple things. You'd be the you'd be the expert of experts in Guthrie, Georgia. And then what would happen is people would come to you. You would learn how to organize. You would learn how to teach. You would get it going. Guess what? We'd, we'd help you get your PTR license, and we would help you to uh, so you'd be you'd be certified according to the PTR or whatever. You'd have your insurance. You'd be covered there. We'd, you'd have some cheap housing, but you would be the guy. And John, this is how I got started. I got a job working for the Indianapolis Park Department when I was 19 years old. And I drove to 10 parks in five days, two each day, and I got paid $2 an hour. But I was the guy. I was in charge, and I got to start teaching tennis. I didn't have any <laughs> – training and teaching tennis, but I got the kids fired up. At one park, we had like 25 kids that would be coming out once a week to play. Some parks, we just had two or three kids, but we would have like 25 kids. But it, you do two things. You train teaching pros, and you train teachers of the game. Right now, the pathetic thing, we most of our teaching pros are failed professionals. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say failed professionals, but professionals that haven't made a big enough living on the tour, so what they do is they come get a club job, they work at a country club, they stroke a few balls, you know, they put out a bunch of baloney, they sort of go into their mode of who can I be smooth with, make money, and be a club pro, and and the bottom line on the thing, the dumb down continues because we just aren't training our our professional kids our kids are going to be professional in the right way. 
Now, I will say the best kids I ever hired at my camps at Clemson over the year were from Tyler Junior College out there at the Tennis Tech program. Now, they had one up at Fairmont. I think, where where was it? Up in uh, uh, Michigan. They had a great program there. They had one at uh, Wesleyan College in North Carolina. But they had great – these kids really wanted to be teaching pros, and they were really, really good. So what you do is you serve – you know, you hit, uh, you know, you kill two birds with one stone in that you train teaching pros out of our kids in college. They don't just give up the game and dump it because they don't have, can't be pros afterwards. And, and likewise, what you do is you get a lot of kids in small towns going in the summer. But it would work. It would work. It was fantastic what we had rolling one summer. And uh, so the program's called Small Town Tennis USA. If any of the people listening down there in Florida, any of the high school coaches listening, and you want more information, please email me at chuckcreasy at gmail, K-R-I-E-S-E, chuckcreasy at gmail. So we need Small Town Tennis USA. Our champions are not going to come out of the inner city. We might have a few. But inner city kids are embarrassed to play tennis usually. They hide their rackets. They're playing baseball and football and basketball. They're not running Excellent over Excellent point, Coach. Coach, man. Coach <laughs> I, we've gone through just about a, a show now, but I want to do away with my commentary today, and I want you talking about coming down, Coach. And I, uh, on Facebook, I have an article, Why is American Tennis Not Following Successful Programs? And I... I saw, I, I do believe we need more mentors like you, and I see where uh, 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 all the young people, 40-some thousand young people go out to Nebraska to listen to an 87-year-old man. And the PTR and the USPTA, they're doing uh, a good job. That's what I consider a start of where you have to go. You talk explain explain that John John explain that 20% and you and Ashley Hobson and Pat Atcherberry and Chris MK are doing a program which I think there's nothing wrong with competition. I don't think it's a dirty word and I don't think that when I was coaching under 30 but I don't think I was as good as coach then as I am now. I would like you to talk about that last 20%, and I'll ask the audience to, instead of listening to my commentary, to go to Facebook and read the article and see if you agree. I had a lot of comments. I, I do answer your uh, emails, and I want to hear from you. So, Coach, if you would just t- okay. take my commentary time and talk about the last 20% project, please. Sure. John, let me ask you real quick. Who's, what, what is the big deal out in Nebraska? Is it a high school football seminar with Tom Osborne or something? What, what is, what's going on out in Nebraska? No, it was in you, finance, but I don't think it's the same thing. They were I there see. to listen to Warren Buffett, who's 87 years I old, see. made up of a lot of young people going there. And this is, and I sure. think part of the problem is, I mean, we tell 
kids all the time. Uh, I've, I've used the phrase dozens of times. It takes 10,000 hours to perfect something. Be patient. You know, it's going to come around. Well, are we exempt from sure. that? Does it not take coaches 10,000 hours? Sure. And should we be listening to coaches that are experienced instead of, I mean, I have no disrespect for the PTR, the USPTA, the USTA. Uh, I think that's the beginner level, and I went through it. And uh, But I think that 20%, last 20% project is something that people sure. want to be competitive. That's talk. what they need. Let me talk about that in a second, but let me make one very, very important point that you've hit on. You're exactly right. 10,000 hours is exactly right, according to the talent code. I don't know if there are any, you know, great young coaches. I, I, I know that when I was young, I thought I was, I thought I knew a lot. And I can remember going and learning in your 30s and 40s. You go, whoa, man, I, I, I don't really know enough. I This game just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So we should be going to the wisdom of the older coaches. But let me make this point. I think one of the bad things in tennis, I don't know of anybody out there much that promotes and supports other coaches. Most of the time, there's a saying that you never, you never make your own light shine brighter by trying to put other people's light out. And we do not raise other people up. And, um, you know, the, the point is, is, you need to give credit to people like a Robert Lansdorp. Look, 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 Wayne Bryan could be the guy that really just made tennis in America what it needs to be. What he did with his, his children is just unbelievable. Nobody has, has done such a good job. There are learned and fantastic people out there. However, this credential craze in all of the systems that the USTA is trying to put in, all that does, it makes a lot of educated idiots. Or, no, uh, what do we want to say? Edu- yeah, I don't know what the, the useful idiots is the word that they, that they have used, useful idiots. And the reason why is because they, they, they fall into a cookie-cutter category. Well, you know what? We, there, there should be a free way of ideas. There should be a free way of different ways of doing it. So here's all we're trying to do with the last 20% project. There's plenty of things out there that get people to the 80th percent point. Everything is geared at the country club to be a social activity. High school tennis is a social activity. Um, college, unfortunately, is so dumbed down now that we absolutely have no right now we only have four four usa born former college players in the top 100 in the world it's ridiculous on the men and women's side combined we had 41 in the middle 80s we have four now so college tennis is failing most of the reason why is we have dumbed it down we have dumbed down the need for for the the pursuit of excellence we have dumbed down so many ways but john we do not honor the older people and when i first started coaching i remember meeting glenn bassett for the first time at ucla i started shaking and my voice cracked 
my voice cracked. I, I, I was shaking when I, when I first met a, a, uh, a, I met George Tolley. I'm Clarence Mabry. Clarence Mabry, I hold him in such high esteem. But the first time I ever met him, he came over and he talked to me and was kind. And I, I just, I, that was the highlight of my whole weekend just to meet Clarence Mabry. So we used to honor people who had spent the years in doing it. And now it's some, it's, 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 shoot, excuse me, girls. Come on, get in. I've got, I'm taking my, I'm taking my girls from swimming over to play tennis with them now because I'm wanting them to learn tennis as well, John, as we speak. But the point being is that we really have shown such disrespect for the game. Again, we have a sport that Einstein would have played and Picasso would have played. And uh, we have, in, on, the, on the competitive side, Rambo would have played. It's the most fantastic sport in the world, and we have presented it like molasses. It's, it's pathetic that we have dumbed it down. In, in, well, I you think know, what you do with that last 20% project is important, and I just want to tell the people that on April 28th to 29th, you're going to be in San Diego, May 19th to 20th in Bradenton, August 24th to 25th in San Diego, November 17th and 18th back in Bradenton. And I want you young coaches, you know, do your best. But listen to people that have been through it. Ashley Hobson, and these are all mentors. These are all people that helped me, gave uh, help when they needed to people, attended uh, workshops that uh, we put on through the FHSPCA, and they're continuously given. Ashley Hobson, no strokes, unbelievable. Coached in 60 countries. Chuck Reese, God, what do you? I mean, you just heard him. Four National Coach of the Year award, five good Coach Grand Slam champions. The list goes on. Pat Atchbury worked with 500 uh, juniors, trained the uh, 2018 PWTA. Chris, I don't know a lot about, but I'm sure there's a reason that the three of you uh, picked him, and. Uh, I really thank you, Coach, but we've run out of time uh, today, and uh, I look forward to talking again next week. I do want to remind you that you can listen anytime you want on Blog Talk Radio. I didn't listen uh, yet to Coach uh, Creasy's uh, broadcast uh, yesterday, but you can bet your life I will listen to it in the next day or two. Uh, next week, we have Dr. John Murray, who will be our mentor. And I ask you, please, tell your friends to uh, listen uh, in. Uh, we will continuously share the information that we have. And uh, don't forget to uh, get your copy of Florida Tennis Magazine. And if you can't, like I said, you can go to um, the FHS TCA uh, Website, my last articles in there, the last issue of Florida Tennis is there. And now you'll see a lot of those articles on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So uh, please tell your friends to listen. 
Have a blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you again last week. Chuck, thanks a lot. Have fun with the girls on the tennis court, and we will talk again next week, the almighty willing. Bye now.